Let's continue to talk about your plans for the weekend. I'm jealous because you're going to see Dwayne Gretzky's or Gretzky. Yeah. At the Peter. What do they call it? The Peterborough Music Festival. It's a great venue. Like July and August, they have two concerts a week on Saturdays and on Wednesdays. And it's free to everyone. There's tickets for sponsors and a special VIP area that has uh, chairs, you know, long chairs you can sit in. Right. And that's what we were just talking about. And then the rest of the, it's a sort of a bowl kind of thing <laughs> where people can stand around and watch the show. So, yeah, there's some great, great acts come, come to town. But yeah. it's right on the water, Howard. So on a nice summer evening, you could go and maybe have a little bite to eat on a rooftop there in Peterborough, then wander down to the concert and watch the show while viewing the boats on the lake and it's you know it makes life worth living you know for those few moments yeah i i know that that uh is there was a sunday i went to peterborough in the winter Mm -hmm. and i and i walked around that area where the band shell is is that that area by the water yeah yes howard it is yeah i know that area it's beautiful down there yes it's called del creary park i have no idea who del creary is do you dad not really, no. Oh. I think I looked it up once, but yeah. I can't remember. Didn't he play for the uh, 57 Leafs? <laughs> no, the Pete's. The Pete Barrow Pete. The Pete Barrow Pete's. Yeah. The Pete's, and then they went up to the Leafs. Well, you know, there's a little bit of history, if I can lay it on you. Back in the 60s, the Maple Leafs held training camp in Peterborough. And uh, there's now an old age home. Uh, they're at Water Street and King, I think, or area. It was called the Empress Hotel, and that's where the Leafs would stay in the 60s and early 70s. That's cool. And then they moved on from there. But In the 60s, yeah. I was, uh, well, before I, before I grew to hate the Leafs, I uh, used to read all those books, uh, Neil Young's dad's books, Boy mm-hmm. at Leafs Camp, Scrubs yes. on Skates. Same here. Yeah, I, you know, I thought those were f- cool. What was the other one? Boy at Leafs Camp, Scrubs on Skates. What was the third one? Boy on Defense. Right. It was Scrubs on Skates, Boy on Defense, then Boy at Leafs Camp. That was the trilogy, the order of them. Was it the same boy? Mm-hmm. Bill Spunska. Oh. <laughs> Is that really? Was that his name? I, yeah. I wouldn't have. I couldn't have got that on a multiple yeah. choice. Bill, Bill Spunska. Spunska. Uh, speaking of Spunska, oh. Dan Duran's animated wiener is now <laughs> is now available for viewing thanks to our friend Rich Toons yesterday at this mo- um, point in the show we were talking about how Dan should do a DIY program mm-hmm. I suggested that at the end of every show there would be an animated Dan's wiener who would have like a tip or something you know no pun intended and it's going to be called Deck Docks and Dicks Deck Docks and Dicks <laughs> and sure enough Rich Tunes heard this like the little angel that he is and he's put together a an animation a little mock up of what that would look like and you can see it now it's on our Facebook page it's it's very well done it's Dan's penis with a tool belt mm-hmm what else? And uh, it's got Dan's face where the um, <laughs> where the Corona is that the name for? It? Yes, this is the Corona. Okay. This is the head of your pecker. Yes. Mm. <laughs> and, uh, and then at the top of his head is the pee hole. <laughs> so let's so review. The three of us are two hundred and thirty years old. We have children, grandchildren. And yet, this is making us laugh on a beautiful Tuesday in July. 
Well, good for us. Yeah. <laughs> good for us. <clears throat> you oh, you okay there, Grampy? Mm. Do you have the consumption? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's, uh, yeah, that's uh, very good, Rich. Thank you for that. Dan, how does that <laughs> animation strike you? Well, as a first draft, I think it's fantastic. Um, mm-hmm. the, the pee hole in the forehead, though. I mean, uh, that's it means to be. I don't know. Well, that could well, be a I secret think about, weapon. I have to think about it. Yeah, well, are you saying you'd like it, the pee hole to be more of a? Do you, yeah, I was going to because I I had to ask you. I, I assumed that's what it was, but I, would you like to see it as more of a slit? Uh, <laughs> I don't really know. But. All right. Well, let us know what you think. Go to our Facebook page, and you can see Dan's animated wiener for his uh, DIY show. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, that would be like a weapon. Like, Dan does a job, and somebody doesn't like it, so he just walks right up and pisses in their face. (laughs) Oh, I see what you're saying. (laughs) (laughs) That's just ridiculous. Where do you get these ideas? Well, the pee hole's right in his forehead. Oh, yeah? You don't like my work? (laughs) No, <laughs> uh, Dan. We had a problem. That's, with, not, that's not right. And then yeah. I just take it. We had a problem, out. Dan. We had a problem with the porch. Oh yeah. <laughs> and then well, if the whole they point really, of the show they, is me showing other people how to do stuff, so that would right. be part of the animation yeah. at the end, where I would say that's not how to do it, and then I would. I guess I just think that's ridiculous. Or when Dan is really proud of his work and someone likes it, then something else. (laughs) I would stand. Oh, no. I thought you were going to say stands. He stands at attention. No. (laughs) When it's all good. Oh, I see. Then maybe there's a point in the middle of the show where the the, animated penis shows up and it starts working, 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 working. Or maybe there's a, a every show there's an opportunity like he's drilling a post hole, drilling, drilling, drilling. <laughs> hammering, <laughs> this can do hammering, anything. Hammering, yeah. There's hammering, no job hammering. that this can't do. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, I think it's a great first attempt, and thanks, Rich Tunes, for your help yeah. in uh, mm-hmm. you know promoting this kind of entertainment. Yeah. <laughs> so go have a look. It's got the penis has got a, a pencil behind its ear. And uh, just a couple of little, you know, it's funny, uh, again, mm-hmm. how when you see a cartoon, and by the way, it's Rich Murray, not Rich, his, his company is Rich Jones, but right. there's just a couple of little tiny hairs on his nutsack, and it, uh, <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> and the veins up the shaft are somewhat pronounced, Subtle. but as you get older, do you notice as you get older, the veins are a little more pronounced, so I think Rich is <laughs> That. <laughs> oh God! Oh, that's right. It's it's really the details are quite. <laughs> quite. Especially the one there on his like right rib. Look at that. Oh yeah. Oh no. That. <laughs> that's right. Oh, that's funny. Moving no, on. No. Well, man, listen, maybe if you want to listen, if you want to move on, this. go. <laughs> we got another twenty minutes on this. Moving on. Man, I'd be flattered if somebody would animate my stubby little weenie. Oh, man. That's great. Oh, yeah. (laughs) 
Yeah, that's just, uh, that's gold, eh, fellas? That's gold. That's, you know, that's your gold right there. You know, Dan, mm. they, they say that there's no bad publicity. You know? Yeah. And this is what I you're getting. You're getting. Say, yeah. You think that still holds true? Uh, no, actually, it doesn't. But uh, that's more of a serious topic. Um, big show today, our uh, very dear friend, uh, Jeff Lumby. Checking in from uh, France. Jeff and Julie moved to France during a global pl- uh, pandemic is the name of that podcast. I uh, was uh, talking to uh, Fred about a friend of Lumbee's who we're, we're going to try and book uh, a very prominent woman in the world of tennis, uh, mainly an organi- you know, the organizations of tennis dominated by men for years. Stacy Allister is a friend of Jeff's and uh, she just got the Order of Canada. She was the head of the Women's Tennis Association for years and then became the first woman to be the tournament director of the U.S. Open and has been given the Order of Canada for her work in promoting women's sports and tennis in particular and uh, very interesting. Uh, did you ever meet them, uh, Dan? Oh, yeah. Stacy. Yeah. Stacy and John. Yeah, yeah. Uh, back in the day when they lived in Toronto, yeah, we were at some parties and some dinners together, and uh, yeah, very interesting woman and, and very that's, successful. That's pretty big news. It is big news. In the Order of Canada. Yeah, wow. that reminds me of us. <coughs> oh, excuse me. Uh, that reminds me. I've developed allergies. I'll tell you. Um, that reminds. Remember that song? Stacy's mom has got it going on. Stacy's mom has got it going on. It's about young guys being infatuated with one of their friend's moms. Yeah, yeah. I remember that. Yeah. Is that your takeaway? That- not long ago on Sirius XM. Is that your takeaway from-, <laughs> from... Yeah. Well, I don't know anything. I've never met her. I can't. That's all no. I can contribute. I've never no, met was her. That was good. It was good. Talk about me. <laughs> but, I, you know, I just... Everything reminds me of a song. I know. It does. funny. We played this song, didn't we? I think so, yeah. No, I can't remember where. I don't think it was The Edge. Maybe it was a mix for a while. I don't know. Stacy, can I come over after school? Dan's just happy we're not talking about the animated veiny wiener anymore. <laughs> uh, what else is new? My brother's uh, got the COVID. Just talked mm. to him. That's Poor sucks. guy. No, it does suck. And because uh, no one, to be fair, no one's been more careful than Edmonton Steve. And has been the COVID guy on a bunch of sets. I mean, really, I feel bad for the dude because he's been, you know, pretty careful. Very careful, actually. And anyway, so uh, he's uh, stuck in an apartment in Montreal for the next five or six days. You know, you, I just use it as I'm using it as a segue because um, I wanted to give him a shout out because I love the guy, but I, I feel bad for him. But you were telling me, Freddie, that you were reading some stuff. Dan, are you aware that there's a, another wave coming? I heard there was another variant that's kicking around out there. I've lost track of the variants, but it's more... Yeah, it's like a B, B5 or mm. something. Not as severe, but much more contagious. You know, and all you read about the strain on the healthcare system right now, like hospitals shutting down emergency rooms early and on and on and on and understaffed, you just get the impression that in the fall, if this thing you know, got a little out of hand. Are we staring at restrictions again, which would be horrible. I don't think anybody has the energy for that. Hold our breath. 
hold our breath. Yeah, I don't know anything about it other than I was trying to remember what wave we're into now. I think it's the seventh wave. Yes, I believe you're correct. And as far as restrictions go, I, I think, you know that phrase, put the genie back in the bottle, you can't put the toothpaste back in the mm-hmm. tube. I think it'll be incredibly difficult to convince people to go back to where we were. And I just had a brief conversation with Edmonton Steve before the show. And I said, you know, it's funny because he was saying, you know, people are being a bit more reckless. And uh, I can uh, I can uh, relate to that because, as I said to him, I, I can't remember. I put a mask on yesterday to go grocery shopping. That is basically the only time I wear a mask now. What about you two? I can't remember the last time I put a mask on, Howard. I'll be honest with you. Damn. I, just, I, don't, I don't even think of it now. Well, that's what I mean, uh, Dan. Is that reckless? Is that no, reckless? No, no, that was my point to him. Yeah. Every, I said, I was kind of making the point that it's not reckless and nobody's wearing a mask anymore. It, yeah. You know, and, and but his mm-hmm. point was, you know, we've all and I agree with it. We've all kind of mm-hmm. relaxed. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Maybe to the point of being reckless because the variants are out there. To your point, there's a, another one even more like I've lost track of what was the most contagious one was that the the one in the fall the delta the i can't remember it was the omicron was the new one know. that got really i don't know dan when's the last time you wore a mask uh two days ago where uh when i went to costco see that's really? what i do right and, and, I, I, and danny that's I, the only place i do i'm not even restaurants anymore none of that no no my my philosophy is on this if i go to a place that i don't really like i when you it's like this. You're increasing your risk when you don't wear a mask. Sure. So where, mm-hmm. where are places that I go that I really don't care if, uh, you know, like I don't want to be, like why am I taking a risk in Costco? Why am I taking a risk in a in a, in a a hardware store or anywhere else? I put it on for all that stuff. I'll go to a, re- if I go to a restaurant, then I'll wear it to the table and then really? Still, yeah. Because yeah, yeah, not sure. this guy. Wow. You, you know, it's funny because I, I was doing that for the longest time. And I'm trying to remember, um, I, when I, ex-wife Randy came with me to the stand-up gig on Friday night, and after we were done, again, I didn't wear a mask into the the venue, and after we were done, we went to a restaurant on Queen's Key, and I just sort of noticed nobody. I, in fact, I was we had to wait for 15 minutes for a table, and in the little group that we were in, maybe six or eight people, none of us were wearing a mask. But to your point, Dan, when I'm in a place like I was yesterday at Farm Boy, where I know I'm going to be in there for an extended period of time, I was wearing a mask. I was one of the only people in the place wearing a mask. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, my wife does. I noticed that. And to her credit, she doesn't say anything to me. We'll enter an establishment together. She wears a mask, and I don't. <laughs> yeah, well, and she doesn't say, Freddie, you should be wearing a mask. She doesn't say that to me. Yeah, well, she's doing it for different pe- reasons, though. She doesn't want people yeah. to know it's her. She's trying to be incognito. That's right. <laughs> she, she says it's like walking around with the Toronto Maple Leafs. It's embarrassing. <laughs> it is embarrassing. He's like, honey, the pandemic's over. I don't care. I'm still wearing a mask. <laughs> I'm just going to wear it if you don't mind. Mm-hmm. But it's uh, to Stephen's point, you know, maybe we all are a bit reckless and it's still out there and and it's just a matter of time. But the, uh, we're really I don't know anyone else now beside the three of us. I shouldn't say anyone, but there's it's almost like we're the last three that haven't had it. 
I know. <clears throat> and I, mean, I, I guess I, in the back of my mind, I'm expecting I will. Same with me. I just uh, have been fortunate not to, and I don't really want it. Now that I hear about the, uh, especially the, when you get infected and then reinfected, the long COVID, the risks of that go up. Uh, and just long COVID, I didn't, you know, there, there's risks all over the place. Did you see that story yesterday? That woman that's had long COVID and hasn't been able to work for two years and had no support, financial support, and all the government stuff run out. She's applied to have the uh, assisted death, really, which is now legal in Canada. You can apply yeah. for assisted death because she just wants to die mm. now. And uh, I don't know if that's a lot of grandstanding on her point because she still loves to, you know, I was reading the thing. She loves to hear the birds and smell the air. But her life, she has no energy, can't do the things she used to do. She has no money, no prospects of getting a job because of her condition. So she just wants to die. Hmm. That is pretty extreme. Dan, can you turn your mic up a little bit or or get closer because you're a little low? Okay. Um, all right. Well, let's start the show. I don't even know what this is. All I'll just say, you know, take care, everybody. You know, try not to get the fucking bid. All right. <laughs> this episode of Humble and Fred is being broadcast to the world from the Humble and Fred studios in Toronto and Brampton and from the lusty shores of Lovesick Lake. And is brought to you by Bodog, Gig Sky, the Retirement Sherpa, the Chambers Plan, GoDaddy, Health Gauge, and DraftKings. And now here are two men who care very much about the world in which we live and the direction it's taking. Mm. And then goes off golfing, golfing and cleaning their pool. <laughs> golfing and cleaning their pool. It's Humble and Fred. No, I got. I have a nice game of golf today as well. Do some golfing. Bow, bow. Hello, everybody. Hello, hello. Testing one, two. Hello, hello, hello. Yeah, I went. Uh, I went grocery shopping, and uh, Charlie came over. For you people who don't know, Charlie's my firstborn, Dan's goddaughter. Charlie came over, and uh, I actually made dinner. Like I- I've been uh, the last few months, golf season, and. Being on my own again, you know, I'll make breakfast and lunch for myself around the house. But normally, you know, dinner, I either pop over next door and that guy makes pasta better than I could. Anyway, it doesn't matter. But I finally actually I made food last night for supper. Uh, found a recipe online for a uh, warm German inspired Dan. Hey, mm. yeah, Dan. Yeah. German inspired Giebert. Um. <laughs> potato salad and it was great i made chicken thighs as well but this potato salad recipe was you know not super complicated but a little more than i've been doing lately it was very good actually so uh maybe i'll uh, maybe we'll make it uh, maybe next week when i'm up hanging out with you guys at the lake well that sounds good was it was a really like creamy kind of thing like no no uh, grainy mustard not that not that yeah not that creamy uh, i don't like that actually not yeah, a whitey either, sauce yeah. but it was uh yeah. Garlic, a red onion, grainy mustard, some uh, vinegar, and uh, really nice. And asparagus, along with oh. the German-inspired potato salad, was very good. Mm. Not great. Not going to lie. Needed a little bit of seasoning. Was there a lot of vinegar in it? Only a little bit, like a teaspoon and a half. 
Um, but it was missing something. I was to Charlie. I said, this is pretty good. But I, I don't know. Is this missing maybe more mustard? Maybe. I don't know. I'll try it I again. would say more vinegar. You think? Mm-hmm. That's interesting. Why? Mom makes an outstanding potato salad, and vinegar just seems to be the... Just cut through and give it that. Just try that the next time. Well, maybe I'll you're try it for the next time when I'm uh, up with you. Mm-hmm. Right. Just your straight white vinegar you're talking By the way. No, it's sherry little, vinegar, I've got, yeah. I've got a pen and pad in front of me. When you're up there, let's, let's plan, our, um, <laughs> plan our menu for next week, okay? So you're getting there Tuesday. Tuesday afternoon. And I'll probably in the snack. afternoon. I'll so. bring some chips. Oh, I've got quite a list of things I'll be bringing. So Tuesday, late afternoon, so we won't be having lunch, but maybe snacks before dinner. So maybe a charcuterie board and uh, some meats. And then dinner Tuesday can be, maybe we'll have some of those hanger steaks that I've told you about. Maybe that. And then Monday, what do you want for breakfast Wednesday morning? Um, You know what I like for breakfast now? I like a little uh, sourdough toast. I'll bring that up. Well, sourdough toast, okay. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, I'll bring, you know, I'm going to bring some, uh, you, well, I'm going to talk, I was going to talk to you about that. I was going to bring you some steaks. I was going to bring you guys some steaks from our guy over here in uh, Etobicoke. I haven't been to oh, him for a while. You got, you got a guy. <laughs> yeah, I got a no, steak. No, sourdough toast, you don't bring it as toast, right? You bring the sourdough bread and we make no, toast. I, no, I'll bring it. I toast you it first. I pre-toast it. Smart ass. <laughs> <laughs> so, I put a little egg on it. there. Put your yeah, yeah. egg on the toast. Oh, really? Oh, I love this bit, by the way. I love the I'm giving too much detail bit. Meanwhile, <laughs> the detail boy here. By the way, what are we going to order tomorrow night at the uh, before the ball game at Scatterbush? We haven't been there for a while. They used to be a big sponsor of ours, Jack Astor's, and uh, we're meeting uh, a buddy before well, the they, ball game. Uh, one thing I really like as an appetizer is the bruschetta uh, yes. um, mozzarella with the yes. with the fig with the fig jam. Yeah, and then the meat and the mozzarellas, outstanding. And their their uh, carbonara spaghetti carbonara is good too. Mm. You know what else I remember that was really good? That appetizer is the avocado. Oh, avocado! Yes, remember bruschetta. that one? Bruschetta yeah. avocado yeah. with yeah. the garlic. Anyway. Yes, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that. Uh, mm-hmm. And. Um, hey. But one other point on that. We're I, I to want to get back to hangers takes because I've forgotten what that is. Go back. Okay, what's your point? No, no. To, you talk about Scatterbush, and yeah. tomorrow we're meeting our longtime buddy, great listener, faithful boy, Mike McCulf from Buffalo. And um, he offered to... Um, he invited us to the baseball game. He got yes. the tickets. We're gonna, we're gonna buy dinner. It's gonna yes. be a lovely evening. And I'm just, I'm just wondering what the conversation is going to be like because he's a big anti-Trumper and he's a Democrat and he seems to be quite engaged politically. So it's going to be a fascinating conversation. That's all. Mm-hmm. Um, do you want to take some notes now before, like, to brainstorm what we're going to talk about? It <laughs> was at the point of that. Um, yeah. So remind me again before uh, we move on to the the real meat of the program. What is a hanger hanger steak? It's the cut. It's a cut from the cow that traditionally butchers used to keep for themselves. It's actually part muscle, but it's very tender and tasty. And I buy these teriyaki hanger steaks. Hanger. 
hanger hanger steaks they're called or the butcher's cutter hanger steaks that's that's what they're called and um they're very good and you don't see them around and it was buddy darren who turned me on to it remember i was on last week and eric asked where i got them and i really didn't say where because darren had actually said to me hey don't be telling people who this guy is eh? because i don't want to be going to buy hanger steaks and they're all out of them (laughs) (laughs) who who asked you about them eric yes eric who's eric uh, one of our listeners who always emails us. Oh, I'm Eric sorry. Magnet or whatever. Oh, I, I thought it was somebody that was on the show. Okay, okay. No. Well, we'll brainstorm the three of us, and maybe we'll bring Darren into it because I th- I thought I would bring up some steaks, but I you know we'll, we'll do hanger steaks, and maybe I'll make a beautiful German inspired potato salad. Very good. All well, right. Maybe. And again, I don't know. You're going to be there three nights. Um, Potentially. Maybe we're all responsible for a dinner. I love How about that. that? No, that's what women do. Women do that type of thing. That seems a bit sexist, you know. Well, I'm just saying. Well, we're doing it. So obviously it's not just women. Everybody's responsible for dinner. (laughs) Okay. Well, that's what women do. (laughs) You're funny. (laughs) Oh, now you're saying that. We're doing it. It's not just women. I know, and I borrowed the idea from women. (laughs) Did you? Yes. Okay. Figure it out. I did figure it out. You figure it out as well. I borrow a lot of ideas. Yes, you do. (laughs) I know you do. Okay, and then for for breakfast Thursday, we'll have croissant and bits of cheese. Oh, God. Uh, Dandoran's News will uh, follow uh, our interview, our uh, check-in with Jeff Lumby, uh, live from France. Well, yes, I'm sure he's yeah. got some good recipes to talk about. Oh, yeah. Some ingredient lists for you. Well. <laughs> I can't. I personally can't wait to hear what he has to say about the beginning of this episode. Uh, all right. Uh, this program is uh, brought to you each and every day by so many fine folks, as Dan mentioned off the top of the show. Fred, who would you like to highlight right now that brings the people the fine humble and fred content well our friends at uh, the chambers of commerce group insurance plan that is the official name uh to find out more about the chamber plan go to chamberplan.ca canada's number one group benefits plan for small business you can get a free quote almost instantly it's fantastic actually we've talked about this for some time now and a lot of small businesses have uh you know, signed on with the chamber plan because it makes so much sense. Hey, the premiums are affordable. All these small businesses get together. You have the image of a large company. That way they can keep the uh, premiums down. They've done a great job of doing that over the past year, uh, past few years, while adding products like a mental health component, an HR component recently. Really is cutting edge. It really is uh, very progressive. Uh, the whole plan. Take the time today. Go to chamberplan.ca. Find out how you can be part of this. Uh, the program also brought to you in Baked Fresh each and every day by GoDaddy. Welcome back, GoDaddy. Going to be talking to some fine folks from GoDaddy tomorrow. Powering small business and entrepreneurs for over 25 years and servicing over 20 million customers around the planet. GoDaddy is where people come to get a domain, create a website, and everything else you need to get your business online. Do you have a great idea for a small business or side hustle? 
Maybe it's that brilliant idea you've been dreaming about and sitting on for a while. Or that online store you've been wanting to finally launch and sell your products. Well, there's no better time than now to get it online. You can find your domain, create your website with GoDaddy. Uh, and finally bring it to life. With GoDaddy's free and friendly 24-7 phone support, they're also here to help you every step of the way. You can even start your website for free with GoDaddy. And uh, try it out. No credit card required. Visit GoDaddy.ca to learn more. I had a uh, nice chat with Jeff Lumby yesterday. Uh, Jeff and I have a little check-in over zoom every couple of weeks and we were just talking about you know it's funny a lot of the stuff that we talk about you and i in the show all the silly stuff and some of the serious stuff and it's i'm gonna have a i don't know 45 minute conversation with jeff and we got you know sort of cover all the topics and we got to some politics and i always appreciate his opinion on the state of the world and we'll get some of that today when he's when he's on with us but you know, one of the things I'm getting to is, you know, you, you can say, and we've had this discussion, CNN has a left or a, you know, liberal bias, but they report the general news. Mm-hmm. They don't mm-hmm. omit things. <clears throat> right. Whereas Fox, you know, it's really the lie of omission. Mm-hmm. They don't report on all the news, which is really, a, and, and you've said it. I think very well when you say they're they're not patriotic. They're not uh, they're not giving their listeners the benefit of all the coverage. They're just so skewed. Which I said to Jeff, I, I can't remember if it was yesterday, but I've said this to him before that that is the difference between the liberal media and the right wing media. The liberal media, yes, there are loonies on the left, but they're not trying to destroy democracy. I think. No, I agree. And that's the thing. Yeah, CNN leans a certain way. Um, CNN is uh, left of center about one eighth of what Fox is right of center, right of center. Yeah, I got it. So, yeah. And in CNN, you know, if there's something to criticize Joe Biden and the Democrats about, they will. Where Fox just absolutely does not do that. However, having said that, even Fox News, and I think you have the clip. Yeah, I'm getting ready to play the clip. Herschel Walker, who's running for the Senate or Congress in Georgia, you know, a big Trump guy. The guy's a walking idiot. He took too many hits to the head, whatever it was. Um, yesterday, his spin on global warming was just, it was a head scratcher. Even Fox, the way they reported on, on the site was like, even we can't figure this one out. Which are to their credit. Yeah, and, and that's what I wanted to mention that. So you sent this to me from the mm-hmm. Fox website, but I, w- yeah. I, I went there and that, and, I, and right. of course it's all over social media, but I mm-hmm. didn't get quite the impression that they were criticizing Herschel Walker. They were just presenting it as. Well, the headline I read said something, you know, they, I forget exactly how it was presented, but, you know bewildering or mm-hmm. confusing or yeah they weren't too hard on him no that was my point they weren't super critical of the guy no they and, weren't super critical of him but by fox standards with a republican and a trump guy i was a little surprised that how far they did the, how far they did go 
actually. So if you haven't heard this clip, Herschel Walker, to give people some context, was a uh, was he running back? I can't remember what position he played. Yeah, he played uh, originally for Trump's team in the USFL, the Jersey Generals. Right. Uh-huh. And did he ever play in the uh, NFL? Yeah, I can't remember. All right. Here's Herschel Walker. And, and what's frightening about this, but the, you're going to hear not only is it moronic, but what's really weird is that there are people that he's speaking to that are sort of going, yeah, yeah, okay. <laughs> I get it. Fuck <laughs> it. Have a listen. The pipeline. Get rid of the pipeline. Get rid of our energy. Start this downfall. Because we need energy for everything. Do y'all know that? And they were talking about the Green New Deal. You know, climate change. I'm going to help y'all with that real quickly. And I'm going to do it in the Wrightsville way. So- okay, so so far you can't really, it's, it's hard to make out. And he's basically is saying, uh, I'm going to talk about the Green New Deal, and I'm going to tell it to you in a way that you can understand. So listen to this. You can understand what I'm saying. <laughs> we, in America, have some of the cleanest air and cleanest water of anybody in the world. Yes. Oh, yeah. So what we do is we're going to put from the Green New Deal millions or billions of dollars cleaning our good air up. So all of a sudden, China and India ain't putting nothing in their cleaning that situation up. So all that bad air is still there. But since we don't control the air, our good air decided to float over to China, bad air. So when China gets our good air, their bad air got to move. So it moves over to our good air space. So basically what he's saying is they have the cleanest air in the world. And wrong. they were wrong. And mm-hmm. they their good air goes to China and India. They don't have good air. They have bad air. And the the USA's good air mixes with the bad air and the China's good air comes back to the US and they gotta pay to clean it again. No yeah. I think he, yeah, he said their good air goes over there, so their bad air has nowhere to go, so right, it has right. to come over to You got a lot of science, Fred. <laughs> Jesus. And people will vote for him. Yeah. Because they they don't they don't care what he says. They don't care what he is. They just care about what he represents. And that's a Trump Republican. That's good enough for a lot of people. Frighteningly so. Um <laughs> yeah, it's it's hard. You know, it's hard to get your head around. You know, there's an old saying. It's a famous saying about never. Under, I think it was P.T. Barnum said, "Never underestimate." You know how stupid people are. Basically, that's paraphrasing. But you know, and then of course you get the government. Do you deserve and and, and so on? But uh, yeah, it, it's almost. It would be. It would be like that's like when I first saw it, and you sent it to Dan and I and Darren. It was almost like is this like it's a parody? It's almost like a skit. Yeah, it just keeps getting worse and worse. You know, and as Darren got back to us and said, you know, the sad thing is half of the people he's talking to or half of the country would be going, yeah, 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 that's right. I never thought of that. Yeah, that's a good point. <laughs> that's right. Good point, Herschel. Yeah. I never thought of that. It, it really is. It, yeah. You know, it's the dumbest. Listen, they're dumber countries, but they have an excuse. As far as the Western world goes and, you know. Uh, you know, first world countries, it's, it's got to be the dumbest country on earth. It, it really does. Yeah, well, if you look at 
you know, those every, you know, I, something came out recently about the key indicators of a country's health and happiness and health care and education. They're so far down. I think you, I can't, somebody said it on the show today, yesterday, but they really only lead in one category, which is gun deaths. Mm-hmm. Like that's their category. But in all other key indicators of a culture, they are so far down now. And it's part of it is because of education over the, the course of time and how, you know, how broken their system is. Yeah, and the damage Donald Trump has done. Um, although Elon, Elon Musk came out yesterday and said it, it's time for Donald Trump should hang up his hat and sail into the sunset. Because apparently Trump attacked. Oh, you I've got that too here. At his, you know, over the Twitter thing. Yeah. Do you get the impression that Elon Musk was never really, really, really serious about Twitter? It was almost like... You know, Trump running for president, you know, it was know. just to get a lot of attention. And, you know, Trump's, um, you know, went horribly wrong for the world. But I just never got the impression that Musk was really, really that interested in it. Yeah, but no anyway, reason. but no, but wait, but, no reason. but anyway, Trump was criticizing Musk for his handling of the whole Twitter. thing, And I've got that. I'll play it for you in a second. But to answer that, I, I never because it's so complicated at that level of corporate right. t- i mean there had to be there, it had to be serious to a point because papers mm-hmm. had to be filed i mean mm-hmm. a process began it wasn't just like i think i'm gonna buy twitter right 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 so, mm-hmm. so, so there were some grown-up you know things done but here's some uh not only is this is trump talking about elon musk and of course you may have heard he said uh, the f word is that one of hang on a second here Oh, oh, by the way, he, he did that. Trump did this thing that he does when he fucks up on the on the prompter. He said the he said the guy's name wrong, and then he catches himself. But just listen to this; very interesting. Pull that one right, Leon. Here it goes. You see that? I pull that one right, Leon. Leon. I tell you what, Elon. E- you see what he did there? He said, mm-hmm. Leon, yes. and then pauses mm-hmm. to go, I tell you what, because he knows he's screwed up. Elon mm-hmm. is not going to buy Twitter. Where did you hear that before? From me. From a fake account. She says fake. A lot of them. Nah, he's got himself a mess. You know, he said the other day, oh, I've never voted for a Republican. I said, I didn't know that. He told me he voted for me. <laughs> so he's another bullshit artist, but he's not going to be buying it. By the way, you notice how everything that Trump says is him. Does anyone not mm-hmm. notice that? Yep. That it's always him. I told you, it's always me. So I'd hit him on the left. I'd hit him on the right. I'd hit him in the fucking center, sir. Right. So there you go. There's the ex-president of the United States. Mm-hmm. That's your guy. That's your candidate. Yep. Yep. There you go. That's him. That's it. That's where you're at. Yeah, I don't know. It's you know, it's funny. Like we kind of have stayed away from him for a while, but this January sixth thing has kind of brought it back. By the way, that's going to be very interesting. Let's save some of this for Lumby. He's standing by. Yes, today. Mm -hmm. Uh, Lots of interesting stuff around that. Let me uh, let me see if Jeff Jeff's here. Let's uh, let's get him in there early. That way we can uh, we don't have to rush through it. Let's. uh, 
Let's get here. Uh, Jeffrey Lumby. There he is. Let's see. Oh, yeah. There we go. There we go, everybody. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Here we go, everybody. Come here on. we go, everybody. The Gig Sky guest of the day. And that's right. I'll get to that. I got that. Our Gig Sky guest of the day is our uh, dear friend Jeff Lumby, who uh, is the host of uh, Jeff and Julie Move to France during a global pandemic. And uh, our dear friend, uh, how you doing, man? I'm, I'm excellent. How are you guys? Fantastic. I, and, you know, one of the Very things good. that Jeff's doing there, Fred, I mean, you may remember, but uh, he's taking uh, French lessons. How are they going? Well, you know, they're, the French is coming along. I mean, the, the, the thing about the French is it's it's it, the difficulty is, is, as I mentioned before, is the comprehension. Right. You know, because mm-hmm. they go they go so quickly. But. You know, Julie and uh, my teacher, Veronique, they've been very encouraging. And, uh, the, you know, they say, oh, you've made great inroads since you started in September. But, I, you know, I honestly think that they're just uh, they're just encouraging me to, you know, discourage me from hurling myself in front of a dump <laughs> truck. I mean, you know, it's, uh, but, you know, like lately, I, I, th- I, I think uh, one of the big nights that I was out with a, a whole mess of, uh, of French people, I was texting you back and forth. Right? That's right. Because, yeah. Because it was like a, a really long, it was a long lunch thing at a town uh, in a town hall. And we had a great time, but everybody was speaking French. And actually, the guy who was kind of hosting us, he he was he was he did a lot of work for us, and he was insisting, you know, that I speak French. He kept coming over and checking on the table and pop pop pas anglais pas anglais, you know. Anyway, so I'm getting into a lot of these conversations with people, and I'm trying to, you know, I'm trying to listen and try and figure out what they're saying, and you know, I, I think they're talking about one thing. <laughs> but in fact, it, it's it's maybe some deep dive about you know Macron and Putin and the geopolitical yeah. shifts you know due to the war and you know the downward effect of the economy and then I'll blurt out I like candy. Right, me. That's funny. Or you end up you end up insulting somebody with that. <laughs> you know, funny without knowing. That's really yeah, good. You know. It's like what's that? Bread's good. Bread's good, yeah. <laughs> and and then it's like the the just halts the conversation. You can see on you can see on the look the look on their face. Who brought this gutter ball? That's so good. Well, and when you're when you're listening to it and it's fast, is it almost like listening to English like interrupted or something like every other word or something? You're you're getting. You know what it, you know what it is, Fred, is you don't notice that like what you think is one word is actually maybe two or three words. Right. Because it sounds like another word and you think, oh, mm. uh, you know, they just said voudre or whatever, mm. voudre, but they, they it was oh. actually vu and then dre and then something else. And it means something mm. completely different. We're having a muffler for lunch. <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs> I can't um, wait. You know, I, I wanted to. Well, t- two things I wanted to ask about that. One is when you're with one person, is it obviously it must be a bit easier because you can Way. It's just because you're going back and forth yeah. and you know the gist of the conversation. The second thing I wanted to ask, though, is because you're so good with accents. I mean, everyone knows that and you do a lot of dialects and, and animation and such. Do you think that helps you? And, and, and oh, huge. And the second mm. part of that is. Does it help you? And do do they mind you put or do you put on an accent? No, no. Listen, I am trying to get. The, the, so this is the difference between me and and most of the Brits here. You know, uh, most of the Brits here, j'aimerais un uh, verre de vin, s'il vous plaît. Like you know, and I'm trying to 
J'aimerais le, le verre de vin. You know, like I'm mm -hmm. trying to speak mm -hmm. as they speak here, and it's not. I'm not putting anything on. I'm just trying to speak as best a friend. And and the Olivier, our neighbor, he noticed that, like because we we had a, a group gathering the other night, and Olivier speaks a little bit of English, but uh, uh, another one of the neighbors is British, and Alain does not really try at all with 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 respect to the. And then I would say something. He goes, did you hear Jeff? He said, voudrais, not voudrais. <laughs> so, so, you know, it's those are the kind of things that, no, I'm, I'm trying to get the pronunciation correct. Well, yeah, be, and, because, a, and a switch will go off eventually, right? Where it'll all just sort of come together. Well, it's got to over time, you'd think. Yeah, that's what uh, Julie keeps saying. That, but, mm. boy, that switch well, is, but maybe it won't be a switch <laughs> as much. Yeah, not a switch as much as at some point after a couple more years, it'll just be mm -hmm. something that. You almost, yeah. it's insidious. It'll just happen. Um, yeah. But I was going to ask that, uh, you know, sometimes when people put on an accent of the country that they're trying to speak, well, because most of us would just say bonjour, but, you know, and, but it's almost like, that's why I asked if they're, if they had annoys them or, but I guess they've noticed that your accent, when you pronounce things correctly, you actually put a little bit of the French well, accent on to make the correct pronunciation. Yeah, because it's I'm not doing a uh, I'm not doing a like a joke accent, uh, like a Clouseau type of a thing. I'm, I'm actually trying to get the accent right. And they appreciate that. Like yes. they you can tell that they appreciate they're they're, they're concerned with, with, you know, that they see that I'm concerned with getting it right. Yeah. Um, okay, I'm going to move on. Freddie, I just sent you a quick note there. So Lumbee moved to France during a global yeah. pandemic. You know, you may have heard some of the preamble. You and I talked a little bit at the end of our call yesterday about the politics of the world. And, and you made, an, I thought, an interesting point to me about life in France versus, you know, you know Freddie and I, Dan, Darren, we all, we're sort of like in, in the middle of this. And sometimes we get immersed in what's going on in U.S. politics. But how does it play over there? And maybe talk a little bit about what you and I spoke of yesterday, how in Europe it's a different perspective. Yeah, it, it, I, I got to say that the U.S. does not look really great uh, from a, a, a perspective here. It's it, because everything is so under downplayed, underplayed here in terms of um, like there's there's no uh, ginning up. There's no, you know, rah, rah, rah. Like even even the campaigns are just a couple of debates. And that's it. There's no like rallies or any of this stuff that, um, you know, to your word yesterday, that sort of gins up the tribalism. And um, and so they look at America with that sort of thousand yard stare. It's mm. just uh, like curious. Yeah. Like and and then what comes out, you know, then then you then you see the, the, the gun stuff and the reaction to the gun stuff. And it's just a lot of head shaking that goes on here because people are well read here. People are like children are incredibly intelligent here. I mean, it's just they know what what seven, eight, nine, ten year old kids know here is absolutely mind blowing. I mean, they, they take school very seriously. And their their sort of sober thought here is they were search stuff like in, in Canada or in, in the United States. I think a lot of people uh, would rather continue to look stupid than admit they're wrong. Yeah, that's it's a just, that's a great point. 
they don't even know they, they don't even know they're looking stupid some of them but it's almost like and we've said this all can any can't they google stuff don't they want to look into something <laughs> Yeah, I, I don't know, because, because people here are very well informed. That's why political discussion, it doesn't get uh, too animated here, mm. because it's just uh, it's just people uh, uh, sharing ideas, you know? Yeah, and, and probably, and a, and a lot like this country still, to a great extent, compared to the United States, your discussion, it's all for the betterment of the country. What's the best for all concerned? And they've lost that in the States. It's not about the country anymore. It's about the team. And I so hope, you know, yes, a little bit of that is coming to Canada. But I guess in countries like France, they're, they're just flat out more patriotic, it would seem. Well, and isn't that funny you should say that? Because uh, when you look at it the way you just laid it out, I, I tend to agree. Although you wouldn't know it, uh, uh, the, the optics here are like, I've seen like one flag since we got here in our area. Yeah, mm-hmm. there, there, there really? are no. Yeah, there's no display of patriotism. But when you when you when you say it the way you just did, I think you're mm-hmm. right because it's true patriotism. They're they're having a discussion uh, for the betterment of the country, right. not mm-hmm. not for one team beating the other team. Well, I, I picked yeah. this uh, quote out after Jeff and I spoke yesterday. I came across this from a, a one of those things uh, newsletters I subscribe to by Seth Godin is his name, and he says the purpose of most communication isn't to completely explain yourself. Too often we get stuck relieving tension, making our case, and closing the door on discussion. This is my favorite quote. Communication is a process, not an event. You know, and that's what happened. It's, a, it's the opposite. In the States, it's an event. We're, we're only communicating to give you, to tell you what we think and how, and we're right, you're wrong. Whereas here, and what you're describing in France, that that the process of interaction politically is to eventually get a better solution. You know, it's like that uh, that idea of, you know, um, talking to somebody in a, in a curious manner versus a judgmental manner. Well, that and that's a great point. Like if you're in a discussion, I, I've, I've changed a lot over the years. I'm now in a discussion to learn things like, oh, if somebody makes a good point that I didn't realize or didn't know, I'm not I'm not there to jam my point down their throat i'm now i'm now at a stage in my life where we're, oh that's that's a really interesting take on that yeah. and and i've just learned something now and, and you know what i think has brought that on I, I mean to some degree i'm the same way it's become so wacky really far left far right has become so wacky you sit instead of saying i totally disagree with that you're nuts it's like wow there's people out there that actually think that why do they think that like, what gets you to that point that you actually want to utter those words? Right. As opposed to just discounting it. Uh, and, and I was just going to jump in and just jump in and say about that, that all three of us, you know, it's a little thing called maturity. And it's why, Fred, yeah. when I talk about the state sometimes, mm-hmm. whether it's religiously or politically, I say they're immature because a mature country, France and ours to a degree, we still have discussions for the purpose of of curiosity and, and information. Whereas there it's just, as you say, it's so wacky. It's almost like, and again, that's what I, I sometimes think about them. They're an immature culture. And, and you know, the other thing is uh, a, a true sign of sort of an erudite uh, form of thought is people with real life experiences. And, and I, I, I somehow get the sense that a lot of the people who are behind 
you know, some some of the tribalism that you're talking about, they haven't gone out of their city, out of their state, out of the country. And when you're having a conversation and learning from people, it's typically from people who have traveled the world, read books, and they're giving you something that 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 it that you don't have access to because you haven't been in that person's shoes. Exactly. Now you're learning, you know. Jeff, that, that that is shocking because most of the travel I do to the states, and I'm sure Howard's the same as to the southern states. And when you meet the people down there, it's shocking. Not only the you know, you know, the United States of America. I think passports they have the lowest percentage of the free world. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just yeah, it's not under part it's of under fifty percent. I think it's forty percent. Yeah. So, but when you talk to these people, it's shocking. Not only have they never been to Canada, forget it. That's a that's a world away. They haven't been out of the state. Yeah. And, and, and so, and, and so, mm-hmm. and their and their opinions, their opinions reflect that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, um, mm-hmm. I, this this is a true story from 1986 or seven. I was living in Los Angeles, and I remember having a discussion with somebody in my neighborhood. Forget knowing where Canada was, and I, I've probably told you to this at, at some point. They didn't really know where the next state was to California. They couldn't really describe whether it was Oregon or Arizona. They really, really weren't sure. To the point, I guess the point being, and not much has changed in that world, which is why sometimes I think, can't these people Google the information? But, you're, you know, you're right. You're, you're now in a world of expats and people from Europe and the continent, and you're just another, you're, you know, you're, you're just another guy there. And I think it's interesting that you have so immersed yourself, not only culturally uh, by learning the language, but, you know, getting to, to have these discussions and conversations with people who have a different perspective than yours and something you might pick up on. Well, and, and, and most of the people here don't know a lot about Canada, but it's surprising how many people have actually traveled to Canada from France. And uh, we are the odd ducks here. I guess when the, when the world zags, we zig because uh, <laughs> That's far right. more people are going from France to moving to Canada than, than, than it's seemingly the reverse. Of course they are. But, you know, it, 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 there is this dangerous myopia in the United States. And I think it's, it's what's leading to uh, somebody like uh, Trump being able to, to gin things up uh, from a, an emotional point of view. And then the emotion takes over. Then there's no intellect involved. And this is what you've got. You've got this this polarity between the left and the right. And 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 you're right, Howard. It, it's bordering on a, on on the, on the, the makings of a civil war down there. And it's all based on stupid. Yeah. Well, we talked you know? about that yesterday. The well, uh, they're on the brink culturally. They're already at a civil war. Oh, absolutely. Uh, the only thing that's missing right now is the is the violence. Yeah. I mean, you know, hand to hand combat yeah, or face to face combat yeah. because. You're right. Other than that, they're they're in a civil war right now. It's uh, and then the scary and that, that's thing. the thing about uh, with the Trump situation as well. When I was in Florida in February, seeing all these jeeps run around, uh, driving around with Trump flags and loud music, and the just the 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 guys driving, they all look the same. Just you know, the the first time they ever ever had voted was for Donald Trump. Voting probably would not have been part of their world, something they just didn't do. And you just have to wonder if Trump is taken out of the picture, you know, if he runs for the nomination and doesn't get it or doesn't run at all. You just wonder if that things will quiet down because they won't have their hero. Those people that 
never voted before but did for Trump, will they come out and vote again? Hmm. Um, well, from what I'm seeing, I can't remember. I think it was that thing that uh, Dan sent us, that uh, that podcast. Did you listen to it? Yes. I sent it to you too, Jeff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I don't have Spotify. so Oh, I, that's I, right. I couldn't find well, it. But. So to your point, Fred, the, the, you'd, you'd hope that was the case. But, uh, you know, listening to that podcast, they, the, the, they have sort of the triumvirate. It's uh, Trump. Carlson and Bannon and Trump at this point to that movement is just sort of like a figurehead and mm-hmm. and the movement will go on without him like there's it's the you know whatever the genie's out of the bottle it is going to continue unfortunately and I said this to Jeff uh, in our chat yesterday I said it to you on the air we're not going to live we're not going to outlive this movement we'll yeah. it'll st- this is we're going to go to our graves all four of us you me Dan and Jeff uh, without this being resolved, it's there's no resolution, unfortunately, on the mm-hmm. horizon. It's going to be a couple of generations. But but, you know, like uh, from a world, from a global perspective, I mean, America is not what it once was. It's not viewed uh, with the kind of strength that it once had. And and by that, I don't necessarily just mean military. Mm-hmm. I mean, influence on the world and. Um, you know, I think I think to Fred's point about the, you know, the, the, the jeeps and the flags, people see that and they just there's not there's none of that here. There's just absolutely zero of yeah. that in, in most of Europe, that that whole. You, you know where they haven't lost their influence is amongst themselves. Back to the points we're making. They still uh, on the day of the mass shooting or whatever, the Independence Day, July 4th mass shooting in uh, Chicago. They were still to, on, on air talking about, well, we're but we are the greatest country in the world. Well, how can that be? We're the greatest country in the world. They're the only ones left who think they're the greatest country in the world. Uh, Howard, first of all, can you just narrow down like the mass shooting? Because <laughs> you know, I know us, all you gave us was the date. That's uh, right. I, and, yeah, uh, there was there was yeah. probably more than one that day. Well, there was more than one that day. Actually. Well, there's been more than there has yeah. been days in the year so yeah. far. Yeah, that's true. Like, it's crazy. How about this, Jeff? Like, again, I'm not a. I don't like uh, Justin Trudeau and. Uh, but he takes a lot of heat for gas prices and inflation. And again, just the logical part of me goes, well, you know, I don't like the guy, but really, how much control does he have over that? What's going on in France? Same thing. Gas prices through the roof, inflation through the roof, all the well, things the gas- that a lot of the free world is experiencing. Gas prices aren't nearly as bad as the United States. The United States is that's that's criminal. What's going mm-hmm. on there? Um, and by the way, I think I, I think you're wrong. I think Trudeau uh, definitely had. An opportunity to uh, deal with uh, gas prices, with the uh, oil oil sands, and, mm-hmm. right, and, right, uh, and and the pipeline, uh, which uh, he you know, basically kicked under the carpet. So I think there was an opportunity there for Canada to become a little more self sufficient. But um, you know, uh, here, um, so I'll, I'll just give you an example. Like gas prices are typically higher here to begin with, mm-hmm. but right right now, uh, diesel is about two euros per liter. So. Uh, what's regular gas per liter? I we don't have any gas cars, so I don't know. But, well, that's all. Do you have uh, just diesel cars? Yeah, we. I didn't want to get gas cars here. Um, so yeah, we 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 have uh, the diesel cars. So diesel, I don't know. I don't know what gas is. <laughs> I, I really don't. But but diesel it'd be about two sixty Canadian a liter. Mm, uh, it's probably that close because uh, I know that di- like right now gas regular gas is like one seventy nine one eighty diesel's probably in that in that zone two twenty two thirty two forty. 
You know, the funny yeah, thing is, again, you know, you can blame Trudeau for this or, 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 you know, wish he had done something different. But it's the it's the idiots that think that Trudeau or Biden or any singular politician is responsible for the worldwide inflation. I saw a tweet from some MAGA idiot this morning he was like, you think these gas prices would be the same if Donald Trump was president? Yes, they would. You idiot. Of course they well, would. I know. I'm, I'm, but but Fred was saying like could mm-hmm. could Trudeau have mitigated some? No, of this? no, yes, I know. But I'm just saying. No, not, and, he, and no, don't get me wrong. He still can. I'm talking the general thing. Gas prices are up all over the world. Exactly. Yes, the price of groceries and all that. And it, it, my point would be: in France, are they having the same discussions about the price of uh, you know a package of? tomatoes like we are well, there, yeah and, and there are a lot of of issues over here obviously the war is you know mm-hmm. still fronting but i mean look what's going on now with with uh, boris johnson and brexit and and, mm-hmm. and that whole uh mess in 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 england and yeah. uh, i mean so there are a lot of uh and that's the other really relieving thing about the news here is we get way more news about we, we get very little news about Donald Trump unless it's just, oh, here we mm-hmm. here, 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 uh, here's a lighter side side. <laughs> That's right. It's a kicker you story know. over there. <laughs> yeah. It's the last thing. It's, and then, and, 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 and finally, uh, yesterday yeah. we had a duck that was riding a llama. Today it's Donald Trump and an F bomb. Uh, Jeff Lumby's uh, podcast is called Jeff and Julie Move to France During a Global Pandemic, uh, lovingly produced by the Humble and Fred Industries. You can go to our website, and uh, it's there as well. Go to uh, Jeff and Julie's Facebook page. That's where I follow them. Uh, always entertaining and informative. And uh, into, I'm very mature today. Very, very mature discussion. <laughs> I'll play you off a little uh, Joe Jackson. Joe Jackson. Yeah, man. Uh, Jeff, always a pleasure. Catch up with you next month, my friend. Hey, have a great holiday. I understand you're going on a holiday. Have a good one. Yeah, we're going to be off for a couple weeks. Thanks, pal. Uh, Jeff and Julie. Good to see you. Good Good to see you. Yeah, you too. Take care. Uh, Jeff, of course, our Gig Sky guest of the day. If you're thinking about travel, why not do it? Make sure you uh, take peace of mind with you in the form of the Gig Sky Sim or the Hotspot. Spencer's in France, got the hotspot going. Anywhere she goes, they can uh, have uh, all the data. It's a 100% data plan. Anything you need, WhatsApp, FaceTime, uh, GigSky's got you covered. Download the GigSky app today. Enter the code HF2022 for $5 off your first plan. You know, there's also GigSky Travel Rewards. We haven't talked enough about this. Visit GigSky.com slash Travel Rewards. Sign into your account and all kinds of things open up to you. Over 850,000 hotels as well as rental cars. You can even book your theme park adventure. The GigSky app again uh, at GigSky.com and the code HF2022 for $5 off your first plan. Uh, whether you're a sports better, a horse racing fan, a poker, a casino player, boat dog, your number one source of online gambling entertainment from their industry leading odds, world class sports book, and feature rich poker room to their fully loaded casino and race book, they've been providing Canadian players with an unparalleled gaming experience since 1994. Uh, the Open is this weekend, is it not, Howard? The oh, Open? Uh, yeah, golf? Uh, I, 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 maybe, I guess. They uh, just call it the Open? It's the uh, British Open? The Open. It was the British Open when you and I were young. Now they call it the Open Championship. And where is this being played? Uh, it's being played at the home of golf, Fred. The one, by the way. This oh, is, really? This is at St. Andrews. It's the 150th mm-hmm. Open Championship. How about that yeah. for uh, some sports history? 
Excellent. Yes. Well, again, Bodog is your place to go and uh, spend some time there and wagering on the Oven Championship. Mm -hmm. Uh, Just one of the many things you can wager on at Bodog. I was uh, uh, watching uh, the Golf Channel last night, as you can imagine, uh, during tournament. But during the big majors, man, I'm lucky that golf's my sport because there's so much coverage. Mm-hmm. Uh, if, you, if you're into the game as I am, you're really spoiled because it's hours and hours of pregame. It would be like, you know, they do the Super Bowl coverage starts earlier and earlier on Super Bowl Sunday now. You know, they start doing the analysis. There's shows that are on the air in the middle of the day. Well, imagine that, but for a week before the tournament. Right. And uh, But just last night, uh, there was an interesting piece about how m- all the sports championships. It was interesting. They went through. So this is 150 years they've been playing this sporting event. And they did that a comparable for others, like the, the first World Series, the first uh, tennis championship, the Stanley Cup. And this predates all of those. Mm-hmm. Um, they talked about some of the perspective of what was going on when the first one of these tournaments was played 150 years ago. It was pretty mm-hmm. interesting just how, you know, where was the world where, you know, speaking of the global culture, you know, think about where the planet was 150 years ago. When, and, and this is the 30th time they've been playing this tournament on this, on these grounds where... I'll tell you just a quick story. I played with my dad in 1994. We went there the summer. That was the OJ summer. And uh, played around at St. Andrews with my father. And as we were getting ready to play, and we had our caddies, and it was just we were, it was our turn to play, I, I was a bit nervous. And my dad said to me, what is wrong with you? Because he could see I was quite a, you know, excited, but also, you know, I was kind of, I'm a bit, I don't know, nervous, I guess. And he said, uh, what's the matter? I said, well, you know, I was 34 at the time, but I had this perspective. I said, they've been playing golf here for, you know, 450 years. Like Ben Hogan put his tee on this ground. You know, all these famous golfers. It's it's like a, the phrase they used last night. It's like a living museum. It's like getting it's getting to play golf on the same place they've been playing it forever. So anyway, yeah. it's a, it's a, it's interesting. Oh. I could relate to that. I felt the same way when Darren and I played some bocce in Italy. It was like, oh, my God. I, I bet. Italy. I knew that was coming. Oh, yes. Like, when you went to the home of bocce. In the home of bocce. I can hardly feel this ball in my hand. Yeah. Uh, by the way, uh, Bodog, Rory McIlroy, the favorite. Interesting. Uh, on his own, plus 1,000. John Rahm, plus 1,600. What about Tiger? Uh, is he playing? Yeah, man. I didn't know that. Yeah. He um he's played uh, he's played twice yeah he's he's probably on there he's got no chance he played the Masters he uh, skipped the U.S. Open he played the PGA Championship played two rounds made the cut and then uh, didn't he he withdrew mm-hmm. and um, hello yeah I'm just looking at a note from oh. Rudra um, yeah I, I uh, Tiger's got you know this is. They, they play the Open at this course, I think, every five years. So this will be the last time. Mm-hmm. He's about to turn 47 in December. This will be the last time you're, anyone is ever going to see Tiger Woods be even marginally, and I say that as one of his biggest fans, marginally competitive. 
Okay. Because the next time this comes around at St. Andrews, he'll be somewhere in his 50s, and it'll just be ceremonial at that point. So there might, right. for me, there's some interest. I'll watch a little bit of the for early rounds because I, I just want to see how he gets around. Having said all that, this is probably his best chance because it's a flat golf course and you don't have to hit it great. You just have to keep it in play. And he's very good at that. So he's plus 6,600. Yeah. And McElroy is plus 1,000. So that gives you an idea. He'd be three. Uh, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. He'd about 25th. If, if he made the cut, that would be remarkable. If he mm-hmm. were in the top 25, amazing. And if some way or another he was in, you know, within striking distance, top 10 or something on Sunday, it'll be something to see. But I, mm-hmm. I you know, again, I love the guy, but it's, it's pretty much done now. I just don't see it. You know, he had his great hurrah in 2019. He won the Masters, and that was great. But, I mean, this is, again, it's sort of the end. And where are we with the live situation with um, with uh, British Open? Are they they're allowed to play that one too because it's a major or not? Yes, yeah, oh, okay. And uh, without getting into it beyond saying that it's now going to be in courts for a long time. So in the yeah. in the world oh, yes. of the PGA Tour, there's going to be litigation. In fact, I think it's been filed, mm-hmm. which is the I don't understand it, but I know I can repeat it. It's antitrust. There, okay. There's a bunch of antitrust suits being readied against the PGA Tour for restraint of trade or something like that, where right. these guys are pushing back saying, as independent contractors, you can't really tell us. You know what it's like? You know, we, we had a non-compete, you and I, and it was really a good one. I mean, we were paid. When we got fired, both of us were paid for several years. Mm-hmm. And we were very lucky. But a lot of people who get those non-competes, they don't stand up because the company says, okay, you can't work in this market for whatever period of the Mm non-compete. And a lot of those have been taken to court. And this is sort of a similar thing. Mm -hmm. Dustin Johnson, speaking of live, he's plus 4,000. So obviously, yes, uh, part of the mix. Here's what happened. Uh, Greg Norman has won two <clears throat> British Opens. That's the only two majors he ever won. Mm-hmm. And was disinvited to the tournament. Because oh, was they, that the, the controversy yes. I was reading about yesterday? Okay. Mm-hmm. So what happened was the uh, RNA, the people that run this tournament, said to him, hey, we just don't want, because it's the 150th anniversary of this tournament being played, we want the focus. <laughs> Excuse me. Mm-hmm. We want the focus on the tournament, not on this live controversy. So they basically said, you know, we don't want you to come to the dinners and such. Which <laughs> is <was just> pretty, <laughs> I thought it was pretty, I was mm-hmm. kind of surprised. It was a kind of a weird move because the guy is entitled as a past champion. All the past champions have been on the grounds all week. They played a little mini tournament on Monday and. You know, Trevino was there, Tim Watson, all the old guys. And they just said, dear Greg, how about you don't come this year? Yeah. How can that help? I don't know, man. 
But anyway, I'll be watching some of that. Um, I'm always somewhat intrigued by um, the British Open, especially on a course like that. I'll be watching some of it, uh, more probably on Sunday. Uh, and again, if you want to play the Open, uh, go to Bowdog. Um, people always ask me, you know, what's your favorite course? What's your blah, blah, blah? And, you know, there's all these American courses, Pebble Beach and Pinehurst, and they're famous. But the only famous course I've ever been on is St. Andrews. I also played another one there, well, two other ones there, Carnoustie, which is famous, and Presswick. And these are golf courses that have been there for hundreds of years. But playing St. Andrews, where six days a week it's a golf course, and on mm. the seventh day it's a picnic area for the locals. It's pretty bizarre. Like when you're there on a Sunday, you see people all over the golf course with their dogs. I don't get that. Because it's it's public it's public land and, and no, it, I get that. But the day after, wouldn't there be divots and and marks and and flaws in the course that the ball would be affected by? You know, when I when I've been a couple of times to Michigan uh, to the big house to football games there, you know, it's right beside a golf course, and they let people um, uh, tailgate on the golf course. And I'm yeah. just thinking that's weird. What's it like the next day? Again, an interesting question, but if you, you have to understand the kind of hmm. grounds are there. It's not like, you know, it's the, the ground at St. Andrews is not like, it's very, it's like seaside links, right? So it's not manicured. It's not, right. you know, uh, precious grass. It's very, mm-hmm. very different. And, and I guess they've, you know, they encourage people to pick up their dog's due, duty. And, uh, but it's just, and my dad and I were there. We didn't have any pre-booked times. There's a lottery system. You put your name in, and then if you, if it took us a couple of attempts, and they just pull your name out, and you get a tea time. And it wasn't even at the time. It was like sixty euros, which would have been a hundred bucks. I, I don't think mm-hmm. it's super expensive. Now I'll give you some perspective. You can get on that course for a couple hundred dollars if you want to play Pebble Beach. It's a thousand dollars. Anyway, it's the most famous course I've ever been on. When I watch it like I will this weekend. It's sort of cool to kind of go, I remember that. My dad and I played there and the history of it. And also, you know, the night before we played, we were in the town. And of course, in the summer, it's light until 1030. But after dinner, we took a a walk down and you're, you know, you can sort of sit there in the moonlight and look at the golf course. And it's just a fantastic, you know, I, I know it's easy. Great but experience. You, you would love it only because the town's so historic. It's a, you know, it's just so, it's like a lot of places in Europe, it, you know, yeah, it's a golf course, but it's also just this quaint St. Andrews town where they have a university. And I know what you're saying. I mean, it's in often stuff you see on TV and then whatever that may be. And then you're there. I remember Darren and I walked the 18th at uh, Pebble Beach and it was, yeah. you know, we didn't play it or anything, but it was just, Wow. Not that I watch a lot of golf, but that's sort of iconic to me, you know, sure. along the water there and everything. And it was just cool to walk it. Uh, on my way between San Francisco and L.A. with Spencer a few years ago, I just said, hey, can we stop in here for a second? And I just did that. I sat there uh, <laughs> watching golfers play the 18th hole for a couple minutes. And just, yeah, it's, it's a stunning piece of property. Oh, wow. Uh, speaking of stunning there, look, everybody, it's our friend Dan DeRue. Are you ready, Danny? Oh, yes, I'm ready. All right. Now, here's yeah. to a fella named Dan Duran, a hell of a guy with a hella big wang, the quintessential anchor man. His voice is nice and low. Huh. 
Dandoran, the anchorman, comes to ask for credentials he has none. Can't tell a headline from his bum, but his voice is nice and low. Dandoran, the anchorman's here, he's prone to falling off his chair, but he's got a big wang, so he don't care, and his voice is nice and low. My voice is nice and low. That's right, Dan Duran's voice is low, yours isn't, so you're not as good as Dan Duran. Uh, now, live from Lakeside with Humble and Fred News, here is Daniel J. Duraniel. Anchorman Dan Duran Cub Reporter, Darren Shanahan, uncovered this piece of breaking news. Victoria de Felice Moraz. 21, a influencer of some sort on social media, was at Rock and Rio Lisboa 2022, a music festival in Portugal, with her boyfriend, and uh, she began experiencing pain. Turns out she was too embarrassed to pass gas in front of her boyfriend mm. and ended up with a serious unpassed gas problem. She mm-hmm. was pushed onto a, a plane in a wheelchair, and I don't know what happened after that. I would hate to be on that plane. Hmm. This follows a uh, another uh, incident in March of this year. Uh, Brazilian singer Puka revealed that she had to be rushed to a hospital in the morning when she woke up with severe, uh, severe abdominal pain. She was uh, not on farting terms with her boyfriend mm. and had been holding her gas as well. And she said, in response to this incident, farting is serious. Yeah. You know, I would I would love to know what that percentage is of women that fart before their bo- boyfriend in a relationship. You know what I mean? Like a relationship develops. Who farts first, the guy or the girl? Mm-hmm. I bet you it's like obviously overwhelming guys. Yeah. Um, it takes a special kind of woman too to just let her go. Eh? Like I think you'd be par- surprised. Parmi likes that. Yeah, I, I think you'd be surprised because you've I'm, you've been with an angel for so long at your perspective. But I, I've had some dating, you know, quite a bit the last fifteen years or whatever, fourteen years. Yeah, yes, I, I can tell you this: uh, there isn't a woman that I have been with, you know, that hasn't let a toot go. They just they do they fart. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I know they fart. No, I don't think you do because your uh, wife doesn't. The point I was making in a relationship: who tends to be the first to fart? The guy or the girl? Well, guys fart first, but uh, of course. But uh, you know, I've heard them all fart. They fart. They just. But what about you, Dan? You're you're in a new relationship. Have you farted in front of a girlfriend, Lisa? Yet? Uh, no, but I, I, in the hallway, leaving an area, I have, and and she's caught you and said, "Dan, was that you farting?" Well, I just, it was so obvious and so loud. <laughs> I oh, had to And apologize. what did she say? Uh, she just sort of, uh, you know, let it go. Did she, she, she like, that's a big sound for a small speaker? <laughs> <laughs> it, what, did, but did you acknowledge that you farted? I did. I had to. I when I not. farted, Lisa, sorry, that was no, me. No, I didn't quite say that. I said, oh, oops, sorry. It just, you know, because it was just a very loud... Very loud. Yeah, I bet. Yeah, it didn't, it didn't mean to. It just sort of all of a sudden, you know, because uh, uh, I had been holding it for a, a long time in uh, her presence, and then yeah. I just couldn't get We're far enough away. Yes. Yeah. Um, I heard a report last week. Uh, my grandson John is nine, almost ten. May is seven, almost eight, and both of them reported that they had never heard Delise fart. Um, my children report that they have over the years. 
again, I haven't. But the grandchildren of that age still have not heard grandma. Like, but she would do it. She would make sure she didn't do it in front of the grandkids in case, you know, it, you know, it opened a door to bad behavior. Now, I can tell you the last couple months I've been uh, suffering with uh, some extreme uh, gaseous issues. <laughs> and, uh, and I have it. I'm finding it harder as you get older to hold it in. Like, I'm just. It like, just drops out. <laughs> Well, said, sometimes it's like I don't mean to, but there it is. Mm-hmm. Now, with your stomach problems, is there ever residue? You know, I I really rather not say at this point because you know we've got <laughs> it's a, a sharing because, you know, only because we've got an interview coming up with somebody who's a grown up, and maybe they don't want to be involved in the. You know, did you fart and maybe a little duty came out? But uh, no, I haven't Isn't had that any. Isn't that at 9.0? Isn't well, that a few a, minutes? Yeah, it's a few minutes away. Yeah. Uh, but this no, is, I, this I, is he doesn't want to answer the question, Dan. <laughs> no, I haven't had any residue okay. recently. <laughs> By the okay. way, doctors encourage people not to hold in their farts or they may be absorbed into the bloodstream and then exhaled from their mouths. No good. No oh, good. See where that all goes? Yeah. Wow. Jeez. Mm-hmm. Wow. All right, I have, I have another uh, quick well, story. Well, I have here. one you question want... for you quickly, though. Have you ever farted out your wiener hole, Dan? I mean, it's got to be, <laughs> be like an air hose. <laughs> Thank you for asking that. It is a safe space, and no, I don't okay. think I have. <laughs> uh, look, everyone, it's our intern, Kyle Kirby, who is literally counting down the seconds until he's finished with us. We'll get to Kyle in a second, but first, uh, with his uh, next story, um, here's Dan Duran. The first image from NASA's new space telescope, the James Webb Space Telescope, was unveiled Monday. The image is phenomenal, especially when you think about it. Mm. It's the world's biggest and most powerful space telescope. It took a picture which includes light from uh, not too long after the Big Bang, which was 13.8 billion years ago. So it took it probably back to about 500 million, 600 million years after the Big Bang. Wow. It showed pictures, thousands of galaxies, which each one of those could have up to a billion stars each, mm-hmm. appeared in that image. And all from a tiny patch of sky. Now, if you stood uh, here on Earth, uh, held a grain of sand uh, at arm's length, that would be about the image area of the photo that you will see on the web somewhere. Yeah, it was wild. You know, when they did the comparison of the Hubble uh, taking a picture of, uh, and then and then this one, like it was black for the Hubble, and now all of a sudden, this thing with the infrared camera, it was shocking. It just Shock. makes you think too, like just how insignificant our little dirt ball is hurling through the uh, right. a tiny idiotic universe we're in. Yes. Another observation. No wonder God has been ignoring the earth. Because he's got, now we can appreciate how much work he's got. He's got all that. Like, come on. We're terrible. All that. You and I are terrible people because I was just going to say to Dan, so is that where baby Jesus was born? Is that (laughs) one of those galaxies? mm -hmm. Like, imagine keeping track of that and, you know. Doing all yeah. the wonderful oh, things he does. Baby Jesus is like Superman as oh. a baby. Kalel, I'm going to send you to Earth. <laughs> Kalel, Kalel. Yeah, right. Like, is that not that? Is that not enough there to just put an end to this nonsense? Well, no. Let's back up a little no, bit. No, let's no. back up a little bit. Like, just think of the phenomenal space. All of this. Where did it start? How did it start? 
I know where there it was started. a beginning. God, the, I'll tell you, God farted, and this is where it happened. That's the Big Bang. God farted. Right. By the way, there is more coming today. There's two images of a nebula, uh, and there's a classic image uh, or a, a classic <laughs> image of five tightly clustered galaxies. It's going to be updated, so it'll be much more clear. And uh, one other, which is a giant gaseous planet. Just outside you know, human beings are so narcissistic as a as a race. Mm-hmm. We just to think that everything mm-hmm. revolves around us. I love things like this, Dan and Fred. When you th- realize we're just such an insignificant oh. piece of sh- you know dung hurtling through the world. It's ridiculous. What blows me away is that we're not like like flicked away like a little ant, or there hasn't been. A collision long before now, you know. What I mean? yeah, it's like, coming though. It's coming. No, no, I know, but what? How, like, it's it's it is amazing that how insignificant we are, how we survive. And I know, our, you know, an eighty-year life is just a. It's like a nanosecond in the big picture. I I understand all that, but all that stuff hurling around and we hang in there. It's pretty wild. <laughs> Um, well, just imagining one galaxy has 100 billion stars. Yes, yeah. And then there's, yeah. you know, thousands of those in this picture, which is a small speck of sand from our view. It's, uh-huh. it, it's just, you can't imagine. And God's that's why it, program must be huge. Oh, yeah. You know, he's sitting there at his computer. He's got a lot on his mind. Um, Dan, when are the, <laughs> when are, so knowing that, seeing that, when are we going to get our alien friends to come down here and, you know, clean some shit up? Yeah, you know, well, come that's on, a good question. Kyle Kirby. My, my son and I had this conversation yesterday that there has to be life on. Well, there has to even be. Given that, I mean, he yeah. brought this to me last night, it's talking about the, yeah. the gravitational lensing and all the stuff that needs. Sure. Then it was just out of the blue. Well, you know, we just we can't be alone. There has well, to be. Dan, we're not alone. We've got Kyle Kirby yeah. here. He's practically. <laughs> Uh, Kyle, you uh, you sent us the movie trailer thing. I uh, know. What was the latest thing you sent, Kyle? What was it called? Uh, uh, Once Upon a Toot. Okay, here we go. There once was a podcast that was unique in its own. It held the voices of men whose opinions would show. They feared not the listener, for they were content. The men ne'er worried that their rank would descend. Number 60 on the charts, but number one in our hearts. It's Humble and Fred, and yes, the jokes are still about farts. And there you go. <laughs> I played that yesterday, but I thought it was appropriate to replay it now. Uh, again, very well done, Kyle Kirby. And uh, as we count down to the end of your time with us, where are we at now? I think I just got about 10, 20 hours left. Don't Babe, even... Just throw it out there, buddy. Do it. That's it. I should be done by the end of the week or end of next week, you know. All right. Mm-hmm. Well, well, just sad. so you know, we're not working next Tuesday or the following Tuesday. So you'll have to wrap things us, up with us in uh, early August. We'll send you a note, okay? All right. Sounds good. What's, what are you doing for the rest of the day, pal? I'm just going to go do my workout. Pretty much um, that's it, really. Mm-hmm. And then uh, clean up a bit, you know, do some stuff around the house. Do you have a part-time <laughs> job or anything like that? Do you no, I work job? tomorrow. I take t- I you I have today's off specifically for you guys. Come on. Yeah, like I got to take a whole day sure off for this 1 minute appearance. Hey, I got to get here. I say no Tuesdays for me. Wow. Got to do what he's got. You work at a grocery store, right? No, no, I'm a driver for a uh, a company that just they uh, sell rental furniture. They don't oh, sell right. it, but they rent right. out furniture for events and stuff. Okay. 
I'm getting you mixed up with another intern, I guess. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I drive those uh, the big trucks. Are they automatic? Yeah, I don't know how to drive stick. I was just going to ask you that. It's funny. It's a skill that yeah, not a lot of people have. Yeah. 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 You should learn though. Takes minutes. It is a cool oh, thing sure. to do. I, I, I honestly, up until my late forties, every car I owned had a, was a standard. I just like shifting gears, and at some point, mm-hmm. you just get tired of it. But yeah, it's definitely something you should know how to do. Well, Kyle, listen, man, we appreciate you. Hey, thanks. I appreciate you guys. You guys have right. helped me a lot. You've taught me a lot, and uh, oh, we sure we have. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. By the way, so you, should, you, <laughs> you should learn. You should learn how to, to drive stick. So what? So that in a dystopian future, when you're caught in a desert, you run across. Have you not a, seen Mad Max? The guys on the, <laughs> the guys on the front of those jeeps. Those jeeps aren't automatic, Dan. Those aren't Teslas. You got to shift okay. some gears if you're going to be part of the new world order. <laughs> right. Okay. Good. By the way, uh, make sure you learn how to use a typewriter, too. Typewriter on the list. <laughs> You're going to want some whiteout. And then once the meteor hits this shitball, how to replace a ribbon in a typewriter is a good thing to know. All right, Kyle Kirby, uh, we thank you for your efforts. And, of course, uh, you're putting together quite a resume of audio and visual um, excellence. And we appreciate it, man. Hey, you guys gave me a lot of good stuff to work sure. with. Sure. So uh, yeah. mm-hmm. I appreciate all the uh, all the all the help you've given me, and basically all the assignments you've given me. And, yeah, uh, it's been it's been a great time. Honestly, I've had a lot of fun with you guys. Well, you're a good man, Kyle Kirby. Yeah, you're a sweet kid. You are. All right, Kyle. Yeah. Yep. There's okay, buddy. our buddy. Very nice. Now go Kyle learn Kirby. how to to work a uh, rotary <laughs> dial payphone. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, I'll be right. Save up. some quarters for the payphones. <laughs> Yeah, that's interesting about a stick because it would be one thing, even if you wanted to learn one, it would be getting access to one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, you know, it's funny with the, uh, I have so much, so many more electric cars on the road. I was out just taking the dog for his last whiz last night, and, and a car mm-hmm. came around the corner, and it's weird, almost like they don't make any noise. Yes. Like yeah. there's no more noise to the car. Mm-hmm. I sort of looked up. I'm like, that's you know, you see a car and you think you're sort of your, your brain's like, shouldn't it be making mm-hmm. some noise? Mm-hmm. Just creeping around my neighborhood. Take care, Kyle. Thanks a lot, guys. Cheers. Okay, see ya. Uh, and Dan, hang around here for a second uh, if you like. Yes, I know if I had a mouse, I'd already be talking about something now, Dan, but I got a lot of things going on here. Fred, do you have one more thing to go? Yes, I do. The retirement Sherpa, Tim Niblett, is a portfolio manager. Raymond James, a member of the Canadian Investors Protection Fund. Uh, Tim should be by tomorrow, uh, his regular uh, uh, weekly visit. And uh, I'm sure he'll give us an update on the state of the world, the economics of the world. As we said, changing daily, it really is crazy. I mean, that Toronto stock market, if you notice, one day it's up 300, the next day it's down 250. It's just like a bouncing ball, Howard. That's mm-hmm. what it's like. And mm-hmm. that's what I'll ask Tim about. Why, Tim, is the stock market like a bouncing ball right now? Mm-hmm. And he'll have an answer. Oh, yeah. He'll have an answer. Licensed on both sides of the border, Tim Niblett is your go-to. 
to for uh, financial advice, retirementsherpa.ca. Freddie, the action never ends at DraftKings Sportsbook, especially this summer with tons of ways to bet on all your favorite sports. You can fuel your fandom and feel the heat of a season like never before. Right now, DraftKings Sportsbook is giving new customers a risk-free bet of up to $1,000. That's right. Make your first bet up to $1,000. And if it doesn't win... You'll get another shot to cash in. You can throw down on all the major action, baseball, golf, MMA, and more. Plus, with same-game parlays, spreads, money lines, over-unders, and props, your betting options feel endless. Best of all, DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable. You can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code HUMBLEANDFRED. Make your first deposit and get a risk-free bet up to $1,000. That's promo code HUMBLEANDFRED only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 years or older. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash Sportsbook for details. And if you feel like you've got some uh, gambling issues, call 1-800-522-4700. All right. Uh, all right, uh, everybody, let's uh, move on now. Ted Whitehead is the director of certification uh, and uh, certified rental building programs national in scope. Let's talk to Ted if we uh, get him uh, hooked up here on our Zoom. This is going to be interesting. It's uh, Edward Whitehead. Can you hear me? I can. All right. Hey, Ted, how are you, man? Just put your uh, camera on if you want. Your camera down there on the left-hand corner there thing? Oh, just one second. Didn't realize it was off. That's all right, man. I know you know what you're doing. There There you go. Hello, Ted. How are you, my friend? Pleasure, gentlemen. Hey, Ted, tell us about your program. And and it seems there's a lot going on in here. But just give us, because we're a bunch of dunderheads. You're a grown-up. Tell tell us... uh, you know, what we're dealing with here. Well, first of all, thanks, uh, uh, Fred and Howard, uh, for, uh, for having us on this program. Um, we're pretty excited. This is the uh, only quality assurance program of its type for Canadian renters that essentially lays out that when they're renting in a CRB-approved building, that in fact they uh, have been guaranteed a quality assurance uh, initiative of that building being um, uh, well, uh, uh, well maintained, well run, and uh, professionally managed. So that's what it means, the Certified Rental Building Program. Does this cover renters' rights as well somehow? Well, we incorporate uh, into the program. Uh, underpinning this program is something called standards of practice. Uh, in those standards of practice, we have six different disciplines, 54 standards, and well over 350 requirements. 62% of those standards and requirements reflect making sure we adhere to government regulations. Hmm relative to things like ensuring standard lease agreements uh, are in place, uh, that residents are provided with proper notices regarding any changes that may be happening in the building, and it goes on and on and on and covers essentially the Residential Tenancies Act of every province. 
included over and above that kind of 62% are 38% of standards and requirements that reflect what we call best practices in the industry. Mm-hmm. Um, so if I have a building, is this an opt-in or do, do, I, do I fall under this whether I want to or not? And how, well, does, how does that work? Uh, no, it's an opt-in program. Mm-hmm. Um, so you, uh, you need to sign your buildings up um, uh, into uh, the program. Uh, you're scrutinized from a standpoint as an owner and as a property manager to ensure you're uh, a company of good standing and, and good integrity. Um, after that, uh, we begin that what we call the certification process. It will probably take you... If you're um, a building with, say, half a dozen staff and uh, and had two or three buildings on the program, it'll take you about three months to get through the program. The reason is, is that we have a set of educational requirements that go into this program. Um, And so you need to put your staff through those. And we kind of uh, recommend that you do that training kind of one course a month with Mm. your staff to kind of bring them up to speed. The second is, is that we go through a pretty extensive outlay of what are those standards and requirements so that every member has a very uh, solid understanding of exactly what we're looking at when the third party auditors come in to look at your building. This is a very evidential based program Hmm. um, and it covers, um, um, you know, several different disciplines uh, respective in the property management industry so you need to have a good solid understanding of that once we've gone through the initial training of that with you we will leave you then for three to six months to kind of go through your own due diligence okay and find out where you might have any gaps and install any kind of additional kind of requirements policies processes procedures you want to put in place and Ted just without getting too much deeper into the process but I am curious about a couple things so for somebody who has a building why are they encouraged to opt into the certification program? And secondly, for somebody looking at a building, I can see their peace of mind comes from knowing that it's a, you yes. know, a CRBP uh, building. But what's the impetus for somebody that owns a building? Why do they want to opt in? Well, we'd like to provide your uh, uh, your your renters and your prospective renters with what I call the CRB advantage. It's a peace of mind um, thing. Yeah, absolutely. Um, uh, if you're going to sign a lease for a year, you want to have a pretty good understanding of the relationship you're about to create with that property manager uh, or your landlord, as it's often termed to, uh, etc. That they're a, kind of a, uh, an organization and a landlord of good standing, that they actually understand the rules. Lots of people get into this uh, role of playing landlord, and you see lots of it now with people buying condos and, mm-hmm. and then renting them out. But you don't really understand is that this is a pretty complex business nowadays. Uh, there is a ton of regulations that's coming both from the provincial side of the uh, arena uh, to the municipal sides of the arena. So making sure you can um, dot your I's and cross the T's, mm-hmm. that you're well within the rules and regulations. The opportunity for you as an owner of a building to look and benchmark your Mm. practices um, and operations against a set of um, uh, industry um, uh, operations is nothing but an advantage to you uh, from the standpoint, from that standpoint. Is um, 
Is this a completely private organization, or is there is it involved? Is it government in on any level? No, it's a, uh, uh, it is a, uh, uh, led by the Industry Association. We created this program back in 2005 uh, and rolled it out actually in 2008. Uh, so it is the Industry Association, but we're a not-for-profit program. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, over course of time, I've had lots of social housing members that have either inquired about the program or actually been a member of the program. You know, a lot of... Uh general consensus going forward a lot of millennials in particular going forward you know like a lot of countries in europe will not be able to afford a home so renting maybe for the rest of your life this is something that's pretty valuable because if you're going to move into a place and maybe be there for years you want this quality this security Oh, I think you hit the nail right on the head. There you go. I can't tell you the number of people that I've had phone up and say, I'm sending my daughter or my son or my kids off to university. And, you know, I'm going to be saying, say, sending them to Kingston or I'm going mm-hmm. to be sending them to UBC. Uh, and, of course, for the first time, they're going to be renting. Um, you know, can you tell me the number of CRB approved buildings uh, in that particular area jurisdiction mm-hmm. where the uh, where their children are going? Because what are they looking for? They're looking for that kind of peace of mind mm-hmm. and the fact that their child uh, or their children are going to probably be there for what the next four, five, six, seven, eight years. You know, right. Ted Whitehead, that that really does bring this all to a nice fine point, which is at some. If you're looking, you get peace of mind knowing you're in a CRB building. And I say there, I see CRB program building. Mm-hmm. But eventually, it'll be the kind of thing where you might look at a building and think, well, why aren't you part of the CRB program? And maybe you'll make a decision to rent in a building that's CRB approved. And that's an incentive for both the renter, as you say, and the people that own these buildings. Yeah, I'm pretty simply, uh, uh, and I make the message very simple to uh, rental housing consumers out there, you know, where you have that alternative, because um, uh, we certainly don't have the alternative all throughout Canada yet, but why would you rent anywhere else? Exactly. It's really about that simple. I'd rather be renting with a professional property manager that I know's adhered to a set of standards that is going to be audited um, uh, independently um, relative to their policies, practices, procedures in place, Mm -hmm. that the building is being well-maintained. I mean, look at the rental stock we have in the city of Toronto. The average building is damn near 65 years old. Yeah. We really uh, appreciate totally. I, I, we appreciate your time today, and I just, before we let you go, let let everyone know that uh, if you want to find out more about the Certified Rental Building Program, now national in scope, our guest Ted Whitehead wants you to do what? Please contact me at twhitehead at frpo dot org. Uh, give that uh, one more hit there, Ted, and uh, we'll make, uh, if you need, uh, you know, if anyone listening can write that down. Once again, it's how, Ted? It's T Whitehead, Whitehead, just the way it sounds, at frpo.org. Or you can reach me. I'm happy to give you my phone number, 647-302-4842. Do you mind if I call you just if we want to, you know, shoot the shit sometime, Ted? Just hang <laughs> Absolutely, anytime. <laughs> um, what a great, listen, thanks for joining us this morning. Are you in, where are you, by the way? What's where, What part of the country? 
Uh, right now, I'm actually down in Philadelphia. Oh, uh, oh. okay. So I uh, actually drove down here to uh, bring my mother-in-law back uh, to join our uh, wonderful country uh, in Canada for a month or so. She resides nice. down here. Mm-hmm. Um, and so uh, that's kind of why I'm sitting in this kind of a room as opposed to that individual that's sitting there over the beautiful lake behind him there. That, that individual, <laughs> by the way, that individual is the very famous Dan Duran. I know it's intimidating, Ted. Uh, uh, it is, it is, it is. Hey, thank you, sir. What a, what a pleasure to speak with you and what an interesting uh, bit of information, especially for a lot of the people listening who have children and grandchildren that are going to be going off. And, and And now why wouldn't you make sure that whatever building you're looking to rent in is at least the very least certified uh and crb approved thanks ted do you uh take care of yourself okay take care thanks gentlemen thanks okay, Ted. Much. take Always it easy pleasure, buddy. my friend there you go mm-hmm. just let yourself out of the uh, zoom room just end the meeting for yourself there you go there's ted whitehead all right what a nice man he was huh that knows what he's very nice man howard we could only aspire to be gentlemen such as that no, there's not enough time left. You know, we're doing the best we can. Uh, by the way, so we're up to Wednesday for what we're going to eat. So Tuesday, we might have some hanger steaks. Wednesday, some breakfast. <laughs> um, we're going to have to put a list together. We're going to have to put a list together. Should I bring some some meat? Should I bring Would some you want slices? To eat out one night, maybe? I don't even know what that means. Well, that we- means when you eat out, like you go somewhere to eat. Dude, I'll do whatever you want. You don't know what that means. <laughs> I don't know what it means up at the trailer. Shit. I don't you know what it means mind? at the trailer. Is it oh. like code for some shit you guys do up there? I don't know. Yeah, it's code, yeah. yeah you got, yeah, you want to eat out? Cult. Yeah, it's part right. of our cult, right? Trailer we don't eat insects. We're not so far away from civilization that we don't have access to. Uh, no, we could go for Chinese at the Cody Inn, or we could... Go down. Um, anyway, we'll talk about it later. But oh, if no, you'd rather I think have no, the barbecue experience at the lake, we'll stick around. Hey, I, I just want you to know, I don't want you to go to any trouble. You know, I'll just sleep on the ground and I'll eat some dirt. That was like my dad. My dad was the don't do anything. You know, my dad uh, had this whole attitude. Of, you know, don't don't do anything. Don't go to any trouble. Hey, dad, we're going to eat. Oh, no, I don't eat any food. I'll just throw down some... <laughs> kibble on the floor mm-hmm. hey dad That's this is right. your room i don't go i don't need a room i'll just sleep on the, mm-hmm. the, the, car. the cold garage floor <laughs> no man i'm looking forward to hanging out with you guys i i was sitting there on the dock at my buddy stinky's place on the weekend and you know i know you guys go through this every day there's dan duran's view every day and i know when you're up there it's I'm not telling you anything you don't know, but I always just tell you my experience of it. It just puts me in a different place. I spent about an hour just by myself standing, and Stinky's dog were sort of playing, and I just sat on this chair that he has at the end of his dock, and uh, I don't know. I can get lost in it for some for some reason. You are in a different place. It's I know, know, but I I get lost in it. And you guys, I know the novelty's worn off for you too, but oh, for me, not really. But for me, I, I I have trouble, as you both know, sometimes being still. And uh, for some reason, that has always done that for me. Being at the lake, staring at the water, seems silly, but I does. I just love it, man. It can be hypnotizing. We had, we, mm. Yeah, we had this idea too that you were going to come up to the environment and we were going to take off on you, and then have a, <laughs> right? Just disappear and then have a camera crew to see if you can survive. In that environment. <laughs> 
<laughs> That's right. I don't know what to do. I just sit there. I'm not eating. At some point, I start to drink this lake water. <laughs> I'm like gnawing on some wood. Look at him. He doesn't know. <laughs> Is that where tree? they get the ants out of a tree? <laughs> like, he doesn't know what to do. Look at him. Oh, this is fascinating. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> what is he doing now? Is he is he eating his uh, tire? Uh, anyway, I just find it. Uh, that's why I say I'm looking forward to hanging with you guys and then spending uh, some time just like staring. Uh, especially your guys' lake there. It's so it's just beautiful, oh. you know. Jurassic. Yeah. Picturesque, mm-hmm. very much so. Even last night when the uh, when the storm was coming in, I was watching. I was down at the end of the dock, uh, <laughs> watching the sky with uh, the clouds and the lightning and the fireflies along the shoreline. It was just uh, something else to just sit there and absorb. I have um, three different areas, Howard, that you can enjoy the lake and the sunset from: the upper patio, the lower deck, and then the sort of look point. Yeah. So you can have your choice. <laughs> will you? Will you? When I first get there, will you take me for a tour of where I should be looking? Absolutely. All right. It all depends on where the sun is, right? Where the shade is. Oh, you have your choice. Plus, there's a hammock. Oh my gosh! Huh? You know, it's so funny because uh, Stephen, my friend Stinky, was you know mocking me a little bit because you know years ago I was at a we were at a dinner party. You know, people used to do those things. And I, everyone was sort of quiet at one point. I said, you know what? We're very, I just said this. Sincerely, I thought. I said, we're just lucky. We're just damn lucky to have all these nice things. And uh, at one point uh, during the weekend, I was staring out the lake. He goes, let me guess. You're thinking, we're just damn lucky. We're just lucky to be here. I said, I was. <laughs> I was trying to appreciate the moment. Hey, speaking of which, we were talking to Lumbee. I'm surprised. He seems to be going to a lot of gatherings. I know. That's not. I was going to say that, Jeff. Like, what's going on? Like, Howard and I, you don't tend to want to be here. (laughs) Groups of people. But he's talking about, you know, being at that uh, place with that group of people talking French and then over at his buddies with a group of people. And I'm like, when did you when did you accept the groups of people? Dan, did you hear that? (laughs) When Lumby Lumby texted me a few Sundays ago, we were talking and uh, he was at a party. And he'd been a there for party. a party, a midday a gathering, party. a party. So wow. he's at this midday gathering, and then he keeps texting me, I'm still here, and it's been six hours. And I texted him back, what have you done with Jeff Lumby? Because <laughs> that's not the Lumby I know. Anyway, yeah, he's wow. embracing it, man. That's wild. As he gets older, he's embracing it. And the older I get, the less I want to be around people. Isn't That's interesting. Well, that's different what I was thinking about. For different people, huh? Like you're yeah. talking about where I can, you know, look at the lake. I'm just thinking, where can I go to be by myself? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And Dan, what is your, uh, what's the sketch there in terms of like, you know, you st- when do you guys start drinking? Well, it depends on the day, I guess, really. But, you know, in the afternoon, that's when a, when a beer may appear. Depending on the heat of the day, and where does it yeah, come from? Where does depends the beer... on the situation. <laughs> where does so like now? Is this a weekday thing? Like, or does it matter? Or is it only weekends? What when you guys start to drink your beers and get all hammered up in the afternoon and fight each other? Like, when does that start? Yeah, I'm yeah. drinking Molson Ultra these days. It takes many of those to get hammered up. Yeah, and are you going to be drinking your scotch when I'm there and start yelling at me about geopolitical, you know, nonsense? No, I've cut that. I don't really. Uh, no, 
And what about the weed, Dan? When do we smoke our weed and, you know, hash and no, stuff? No, no weed. I don't want to be smelling that. <laughs> Excuse me? <laughs> I don't want to be smelling that. All well, what do you, what, where, where, well, then go, go somewhere. So are we not allowed to? Am I not allowed to get stoned at your place? Yeah, sure. But uh, what's so? Bringing your brownies and biscuits and that. Isn't that what you do? I don't do. I'm not. I'm not I don't do edibles. I'm, I'm yeah. off the edibles. <laughs> Although I will bring. You don't need to bring me you? your hot knives. <laughs> That's right. Let's hot knife some hash in your trailer. You know what I will yeah. bring you? I just remembered. I've got three cans of it in my fridge. What's and it's, that? It's the. It's. Uh, I can't remember the name of it, but it's. Um, basically, it's a weed spam? infused. Pardon? Spam. No, it's not spam. <laughs> Fucking on the subject about. of that pot. We're drinking. It's a drink. Fuck. Oh, okay. Right. Spam. Where do you get spam? I'm going to make some spam. Weed spam. Well, you said I got three cans of this. Three I cans. Of, some it's of that lunch to meat. drink. That's all. Yeah. Okay. I, got, I got weed infused fucking spam. That's what I have. Hey, there's a product idea. Actually. So it's, uh, Dan, I don't know if you ever had one of these, but I'm going to bring it up and uh, you just drink it. And it's like a beverage. You put it on ice. It's flavorful. And then it's right. basically got 10 milligrams. It's like drinking an edible, but it's very mild. Oh, it's 10. I'd like to try that. I, would get, it's, I know you would. Mm. Right. And it's mild. It's 10 milligrams. I'll bring some up so we can all try them. And it's like um, what, ha, what they figured out is rather than wait 40 minutes, which is what bothers mm-hmm. me about edibles, you start to feel it. Mm. Again, very mild. It's like having a glass of wine. So maybe I'll bring that up. But it won't fuck me up like I'll think I can walk on the water and shit like that. No. No, it won't fuck you up. Okay. okay. You're not going to get up on the roof and go, hey, guys, I, I can, can fly. fly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm going to bring some acid infused ginger ale. I'll walk right over to that island right now. Yeah. <laughs> Where's Fred? Oh, he's flying. Oh, yeah. Fred's flying over to the island. <laughs> it won't fuck me up. Yeah, that's right. We all fucked up. Hey, let's get him some, uh, what do they call Microdot. <laughs> Fucking next thing you know, it's like Lord of the Flies. Dan's painted himself with Clifford's blood. <laughs> oh my boy, Don't Cliffy! Say that. Yeah, and Stan will be up there. You know, I was thinking. You know, what is that noise? Is that the wind? The, uh, rustling of the leaves. Stan loves Fred, like all dogs. Uh, and um, Stan will be excited to see you. You know. I know he will. Uh, and he uh, he jumps him. up on you and he kisses you and mm-hmm. had. Uh, I was thinking about you yesterday too because you had your son's dog Doug. Dougie's still here. Mm-hmm. Dougie. Mm-hmm. And uh, he was giving you kisses at the end of the show and being like a. And I said mm-hmm. to you, sort of. Almost sadly, like, wish I had a dog, <laughs> you know, because Stan, you know, I can get Stan to be affectionate, but it's very special circumstances. But yesterday, Charlie dropped Billy off for the right. day, and I had mm-hmm. Billy here, and she's like a regular dog. You know, she jumps up on me, she gives me kisses, she's playing mm-hmm. with me, she's like affectionate. And mm-hmm. strangely enough, when I was playing with Billy, Stan came over to try and nuzzle in there and it was very cute yeah Yeah, it was very jealous but it was very well that's what Clifford does right like when when I'm up north at the Tin Palace if I acknowledge another dog he walks right in between us that's funny and leans against me (laughs) he does does that yeah (laughs) like literally leans into my leg like no none of this I'm having none of this (laughs) my human (laughs) 
That's funny. Well, you know what? I, now that I know Fred's not going to let us smoke our weed. Mm. Oh, that's out of it. So, Dan, what do you do with your when Do you go into the trailer by yourself and just take a little petit, little toot, boop, boop, and then come back out and pretend that you're not stoned? Yeah, in the afternoon, that's what happens, yeah. You know, and then the what's afternoon. the evening drinking? When does that start? You drink your wine and things like that, you know? Around dinner, I'd have a glass of wine or something. I, th- I think you're mis- mischaracterizing. I, I do, too, yes. This, yeah. I, uh, I, 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 I don't know when the last time I was, I was, I was drunk up there. It's years. No, I Here. get to see you guys next week. You're going to get all hammered and throw me, push me down and stuff and fucking. Yeah. You know. And it, we're usually, like, I'm struggling to keep my eyes open after 9 o'clock, just so you know. So if you think we're going to be to the fire, uh, at the fire until the sun comes up, you've got another thing coming, buddy. <laughs> You're funny. <laughs> like, fucking, my eyes start to get closed around 8.30, quarter two. <laughs> <laughs> last night I fell, I fall asleep in front of the TV most nights 945 you kidding me you know what yeah, the latest Peaky Blinders is what six episodes I've yeah. watched it like in 18 parts <laughs> I fall, it's great as it is I honestly yeah. I get to a certain time I can't I don't give a shit what the, I'm you know if it's game seven and the Leafs are about to win the Stanley Cup I'll probably fall asleep if it's after 830 well of course you will because that time you'll be 98 years old <laughs> Fucking leaves. Yeah, you'll be on a ventilator. Uh, And before we close the program, how about this message? Hearing your commute again. Do you find yourself living at work instead of working from home? Couldn't this have been an email? When it feels like all that's left is work hard, you know it's time to play. It's easy to find your next favorite game at Bodog.net. Play free casino games, get poker tips, and check out the latest sports odds. Visit Bodog.net today. Hashtag make a play. Uh, thanks to Lumby. Very much uh, good appearance. Ted Whitehead there from the uh, rental place. And tomorrow on the program, making his Humble and Fred debut. Former news director of News Talk 1010, Dave Trafford. Uh, yeah, will it'll be interesting to talk to Dave. You know, Dave used to host quickly before we go. Um, Saturday and Sunday mornings on News Talk 1010. Mm. And just how these big companies have destroyed heritage quality outlets. You know, now, Saturday and Sunday morning on News Talk 10, all they do is play the CP24 feed all morning long. No, it's good. It's good. It's good radio playing a television station. (laughs) You know, you just want to sit down with these people and say, like, you've taken this, this valuable historic signal in Toronto. Franchise, this is what you've yeah. done to it. Yeah. Your news talk 1010, of course, they'd argue, well, CP24 is news, but, you know, and then they're throwing to visuals and describing visuals and you're, trying, and you're listening on the radio and it's... Anyway. Yeah. It's sad. It it's is sad. Amalgamation. Mm-hmm. And we'll, uh, you know, doing its thing. we'll talk tomorrow more about the death of radio and how we're great and they're terrible. <laughs> That's always our theme. That's the subtext of every discussion about radio. They suck, we don't. We'll live forever. And now here's Dendra. This episode of Humble of Red was brought to you by Bodog, Gig Sky, The Retirement Sherpa, The Chambers Plan, Health Gauge, GoDaddy, and DraftKings. Email us, humbleandfred at humbleandfredradio.com. Like and subscribe. For Humble and Fred, I'm Dan Duran. And remember when it...
at the trailer, no smoking at Patterson's Place, edibles only, and watch out for Flying Freds. Destination, a little up the road from the habitations of the towns we know. A place we saw the lights turn low, the jigsaw jazz and the get fresh flow. Pulling out jobs and jamboree handouts, two turntables and a microphone. Bottles and cans, or just clap your hands, or just clap your hands. Where's that? 